0: All right, hey, peace and prosperity. Yo, tonight is a team effort. On the bottom on the foundation is the good brother, the chakra doctor. How you doing, bro? How y'all
1: doing? What's going on, everybody? (laughs) Peace.
0: Peace. Peace. And this brother, Minister Zumbi, we're calling Mr. Minister Hum right now. He's he's doing all (laughs) my
1: $20, my $20 revolutionary.
0: (laughs) Indeed. Indeed. Hey, look, tonight, Code Keepers, we're going to be discussing the concept of resurrection, your cross, your cave, your resurrection. Easter is about you. Easter is about you. So welcome to another good episode of Get On Code. And you're saying, hey, what's this have to do with empowerment? Stay tuned. What's it have to do with black empowerment? Stay tuned. All right, welcome to Get On Code, The Fly Guy Show, which is a series of melanated conversations focused on empowerment, health, wealth, and knowledge of self. People think in binary choices because they are conditioned to.
2: And on the wall was a picture of a wolf and a lion. I think the wolf was the Democratic Party, the lion was the Republicans. But the drug trade and all these illegal stuff
0: that uh, people do, that's still economics. It's just that they couldn't do it in a traditional system. We're talking about melanated wealth. So we can build wealth, but we just, for some reason, don't seem to be able to transfer it. You had a great experience. Fine, that means nothing. What were you told as a child about education? You had to be how many times better? Every impression without an expression becomes depression. All right. Get on code. Teach the code. Become the code. Share the code. Our code is empowerment. Zumbi, it's humming heavy. (laughs) And we want you to get on code. So, hey, we also want you to be reminded that the Get On Code show can be found wherever you find podcasts. So here's a snapshot from Apple Podcasts. So wherever you find your podcast, you can find the Get On Code show. No doubt. No doubt. So, Zumbi, man, it's, it's good to see you. Uh, chakra is going to pop back in in just a second um you know did you have a decent resurrection day
2: uh
0: it was quiet you know uh,
2: a lot of time to reflect a lot of time to look forward and uh, you know those in the christian community this is their um their time to celebrate and it's interesting that as the Christian community celebrates Easter, uh, our Islamic community is moving into its last third phase of Ramadan.
1: That ram, you know, that magical that, that that magical ram, you know, the blood of the slain lamb, the celebration of the blood of the slain lamb, and you can find a lot of references when it comes to uh, slaying a particular type of um, beast of burden in order to appease God.
0: (laughs) And it's also Passover time for our Hebrew brothers and sisters. So we have uh, Easter, Passover and Ramadan coming at the same time. Interesting that you just said that Ramadan deals with the slain beast of burden. Yeah,
1: um, well, when you look at it, first and foremost, you see, once again, how all of this stuff been stolen from Black folk, namely that place in Africa we call Kemet, right. and and um, the first thing you see in one of Allah's main attributes are the are the Ra references, the Rahman, the Rahim, um, and the Ra Ramadan, and so when you look at Ramadan and how it coincides with Passover, and Easter, um, what is Easter? Easter is the celebration of it, it well, uh, uh, formerly everybody believes it's the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when you get deeper into the story, you'll find that Easter is an approximation of the spring equinox. Easter celebrates the crossing of the celestial equator by the sun, Easter, a roving date is the first sunday after the first full moon after the spring equinox march 21st all right therefore it cannot be the date of the death of any historical personage the crucifixion or crossing was and still is determined by the full moon of the Easter months and so once again we just see that that old ancient that old ancient religion of. Uh, Kemet and the black people, we like to call, you know, the Egyptians. Um, they were never called Egyptians, um, but for, you know, politically correctness, we're going to call them Egyptians. And um, just another big sign that that culture and that place and that land um, has been raped of more knowledge, wisdom, and understanding and plagiarized into what we call now into today Christian or crest. Christian uh celebration and you know it's just amazing how you know we can keep doing these things and not at least wake up to the fact that hey wait a minute man this, this comes from something deeper it's come from a place of um something a little bit more deeper and it has a little bit more sinister meaning behind it when you uh when when you when you're practicing it and not knowing it you know i could probably say happy easter because i know what's going on but um
0: it's yeah it's amazing sorry man but yeah all right All right, y'all. hey uh <laughs> i didn't expect you to go there that was that was nice that was nice so connecting ramadan with ra or amen ra the uh the comedic or egyptian if you will um deity who said that he is so powerful that his name will end all prayers and so when our hebrews or our haribu brothers and sisters cross the waters. <laughs> you know, Harubu means or Hebrew means those cross the waters. Um mm-hmm. they started using the term amen or amen. And Islam uh, they say uh, amun or amen
1: or yep, uh, I mean, yep, Islam say I mean, Amin. Right. Christians I mean, say right. and, uh, amen. amen. You know when you go to Hindu uh the, the Hindus say Aman um you know everywhere there's there is a version of it and they have to keep that in it. In order for it to have its magical power, well, if you remove Amen and Ra and certain Egyptian staples from these plagiarized text versions of them, they would completely lose their power, and people would not be entranced by the story as they as they normally would. But the fact that you're using hundreds of thousands, maybe tens of hundreds of thousands, year old, um, ancient wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, and you know, what one might call uh, metaphysical science, people are mystified like, whoa, wow, this is so profound. It speaks to my DNA. It speaks to my spirit. It speaks to my soul because it's the story of your DNA, the story of your spirit, the story of your soul. You know, a lot of people don't know that when they, the reason why they call Jesus the son of God, because it actually represents the actual son in the sky, and the reason why they refer to God as one of the nicknames of Most High because the sun is the most highest object in the sky. Once again, um, you know when you look at the society and see how much of the society is ingrained um, with the R. Remember, the R is the R complex of the brain. Once again, representing the Eye of Ra. All right, and that, and you look at it. I think what R is the most used, the most uh, the used consonant um, in the English language, the R, you know, uh, on, when you go on uh, Wheel of Fortune, not Wheel of Fortune, yeah, Wheel of Fortune, R-S-T-L-N-E, right? Uh, in that in that order, and so when you look at when you look at that, it rep- the R represents our pineal gland inside of our brain. This is why, I, and, and we know that. The CERN machine is doing experiments trying to manipulate that right now because there's something inside of our pineal gland, pineal gland called the hex boson or the God particle. Okay. And they've been trying to manipulate this for a long time and extract this and do all kinds of things. You see it on, um, on Blade. They're always trying to, on, on the Blade movies, they're always trying to extract his DNA. They're always trying to take his blood and analyze how can we become day walkers like you. Right. And so there's this big old thing. Um, of our heritage of this big, big power of what one might call, you know, metaphysical science, magic, sorcery, religion, spirituality, the invisible, hocus pocus, whatever you like to call it. There is something going on where our everyday rituals, everyday traditions, and our everyday celebrations um, always coincide with these particular celestial uh, movements and celestial bodies and, and that our ancestors used to do. So Our ancestors used to do this and it's like, hey man, um can you shake an old time religion, baby?
0: <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. So Chakra just took us in a totally different direction. I love it. I love it. Brother, keep dropping those gems. Uh, I'm glad you talked about that's where the magic is. Because I wanted to give uh, any of our new viewers, any new code keepers, a little foundation. So chakra you really kind of deal with magic correct
1: yes the history the history of it everything every aspect of it yes
0: and you define yourself as a christian
1: yes 100 true
0: christian <laughs> all right so uh zumbi man you're a metaphysical uh metaphysic metaphysician metaphysician right right all right. Yeah. All right. Good, good, good. So we have the magic, the Christian magic, the Christian magic practitioner. I
1: don't the know Christian pagan.
0: <laughs> the Christian. The pagan. Christian pagan. <laughs> That's yeah. an oxymoron. See how that go.
1: Yeah. yeah. All right. Oxymoron oh, as above, right? so below.
0: Ooh, as above, so below. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't ready for that. And then we have the metaphysician and I'm kind of like the Gnostic empowerment seeker. So this okay. is a really interesting position that we're all kind of in. I wanted to lay this as the foundation. So uh, every year, you know, my father was a minister. You know, he's uh, he's in heaven as we say now. He passed 13 years ago. He's one of our beloved ancestors. Um, I say on Easter, the last few years of his life, He started giving this message where he would talk about how Easter was not just about Yeshua. It was not just about Jesus. It was not just about Christ. Toward the real last three years of his life, he was talking about how Christmas is not just about Yeshua. How the the cross, how the birth, how the cave, how the resurrection, and all the stories in the Bible are truly about you. And it it was intriguing to me because this was like the last, I said five, but it may be the last seven years of his life that he started really sharing some of the things with me and talking in public. So for a long time during Easter, I would leave this message. He rose, follow his lead. You could rise as well, rise up. And then I started saying things like, hey, be ye resurrected. And so this year it came across me that what we really needed to talk about is how the cross, how the cave, and how the resurrection is all about us. Now, I'm not saying it's not about Jesus. (laughs) I am saying that if Christ is inside you, it's all about you. If God is inside you, it's all about you. I know he lives. He lives within my heart. If that's true, you know, you ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. If that's mm-hmm. true, then this is about you. Well, that rhymes too. <laughs> do what I do. I ain't got a clue. All right, let me stop. I'm a a cue. All mm-hmm. right. So <laughs> just had to take a little freestyle, but let me start and lay a foundation and then minister Zumbi. I would love to get your, Feedback on this, and then we'll go to you, Brother Shocker. So, as I said, that's been my message, but today I got this from Brother Bedford. All right? Good Sunday morning. Today, millions of people will be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. I'm not here to argue the validity of the day or even discuss the goddess Estra from where the name Easter finds its roots. Nope. I stopped by today, church, to talk about resurrection, your resurrection. I'm talking about unearthing and resurrecting your gifts and your genius. They've been buried too long. So much misery and sorrow is attached to the fact that we are not living the lives that your creator wanted you to live. It's hard getting around the fact that for over 450 years here in the United States of America, a lot has been done to bury our God-given talents, gifts, strengths, and genius. Unfortunately, many of us will go through the next 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years without even attempting to resurrect what has been buried. We'll just move on for this grave of existence into the physical grave. Again, I just dropped by today, church, to say you don't have to. You can remove the boulder that's preventing you from coming forth and sharing your gifts and genius with the world. You too can ascend to the heights of greatness. The choice is yours. You can remain buried in a shallow grave or you can rise up and accomplish what you will. Happy Resurrection Day. Um, When I got that message, I was like, that's what we got to use as our foundation. So, Brother Minister Zumbi, man, your thoughts on what we just read from Brother Bedford? (sighs)
2: Um, it's it's interesting that he would take time to to talk about you know the burial of the gifts of African people. Um, you know, earlier I was making notes for for tonight, where I talked about and I'm going to take what I would call a revolutionary approach to this when. I look at the story I look at the story of how do you build a movement and make sure that movement outlives you okay and and here's what I mean Um, when Yeshua was given his quote-unquote divine assignment okay there were certain things that had to take place to prepare him to fulfill that mission uh whether it was being uh amongst the rabbis when he was 12 if i'm not mistaken and then later his baptism uh by john the baptist and then later the 40 days in the desert where he had to overcome the temptation and develop the focus and the discipline to carry out what needed to be carried out okay later he does two things one he builds a team 12 men he says you will no longer be fishermen you will be fishers of men and i will teach you how and he also developed a system okay and that system was this new way of life that he was putting into not only those 12 individuals but those 12 individuals were instructed to teach the gospel one to the lost, uh to the lost sheep of israel and then eventually it would go beyond them so when you have a movement like this um you need to make sure that it outlives you number one you don't build it on a cult of personality and that was the thing that jesus was really trying to get across he says do not make this about me. It's bigger than me. I'm just a FedEx guy. I'm just a delivery system. Wait, 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 wait.
0: <laughs> I'm just a FedEx guy.
2: Mm-hmm. That's and interesting. That, and I'm not just saying that facetiously, because if we look in our history, when we build movements, we make the mistake of building it around a cult of personality and a charismatic. Once you, you know, there's an old term, cut off the snake, the head, uh, cut off the head, the snake dies. And if we look at our movements throughout the 20th century, that's exactly what they did. When they deported Garvey, the UNIA was finished. When they killed Malcolm at the Audubon, there goes Muslim Mosque Incorporated. There goes the Organization of Afro-American Unity. When they took out King in Memphis, there goes SCLC. You take Fred Hampton out, that chapter of the Black Panther Party ultimately dies. So what Jesus understood was we have to build a movement that will outlive me and be greater than me. Okay, because I I think that's one of the more hidden lessons in, in this whole story. And then when we get into, uh, you talk about the cross, that's why I said, you know cut off the head the snake dies what the roman government thought they were doing if we kill his name we kill him we kill the movement that's what they initially thought now you go to the cave you figured all of that is buried and will never see the, the the light of day but because Yeshua made it bigger than himself. It outlived him. And that message, when you see the, you know, you go to the cave and the stone is rolled away, that message was able to outlive even the betrayal of Judas. So much so that Judas basically hung himself because he couldn't even enjoy the money that he took for his treason. Mm. All right and then finally the ascension you can't stop the movement <laughs> okay okay so 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 i kind of took a revolutionary approach to this even in a subtle way if we look at this and understand that there's a formula on how to build a movement and to make sure the movement outlives you so those 12 well now 11 were able to carry that message forward even without his physical presence and whenever we get into building movements, whether it's political or cultural, what have you, you have to make sure that it's bigger than even its founder.
0: Mm. Yo, that, that kind of reminds me, I've been talking with my son, uh, he's getting ready to uh, graduate, and. I was letting them know, hey, look, your achievements place our family on a higher level of esteem and a higher level of value. Ultimately, if you were to destroy yourself, it actually demeans the family value, you know. And so people who are very wealthy, they understand that, you know, whatever you do increases your family wealth if it's done well. But if it's not, if you're doing something that brings things down, you know, if you have a a history of drug abuse, substance abuse, you have a history of being, you know, just just whack, not doing things the right way. It brings down the value of your family's name. But when you ascend to higher heights, it makes your family even more valuable, more powerful, gives you more resources, the more resources you're able to do greater things. Um, So taking what you just described, brother, we have to find ways to make our families even more powerful. So then when I die, you know, when my father died, the, fi- the family's name was able to continue on as something to be respected, as something that brings resources to the table, as something that can make things happen. When I pass away, I need to be able to leave myself with a legacy that enables my family to have an easier time to achieve hard things. And so, yeah, we you have to make the movement bigger than that charismatic leader. That that that's interesting, Zumi.
2: Yeah, and you know, I, like I said, I was looking at it this morning. And I said, "Wait a minute! There's actually a hidden blueprint for revolution in this story." And just <laughs> and, and like I said, the story was so powerful it was even able to overcome
0: one's betrayal within the movement. Interesting. Interesting. Chakra, man. What are your thoughts, man? What are your thoughts on what Brother Bedford said? Um, uh, what Brother Zombie just brought to the table?
1: My bad. Uh, so much, man. Um, you know, the, the, the one thing, when it comes to a cave, it always, you know. As soon as you say cave, I thought a caveman. <laughs> I thought a caveman, man. You know, uh you know that 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 caveman attitude, man. You know, p- pulling about a, pulling about a hair, and pulling about a horns with your with your bat, and you going out and you. And you going out and you tackling the world like the like the caveman tackled the black man coming out of them caves. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, that cave, that cave is a place where they bury, talk about the burial. And you know, the cave is the place where they bury their name around it, it wasn't over it didn't, You know, when they that mean you was you, you you were kinda special. You know what I mean? Like the pharaohs of our time and our ancient um wise and holy men they got buried in they got buried in. Caves. Hmm. So right. the one thing they talked Christ got buried. They said the Christ got buried in caves. Um I don't know, if everything's still good? I-
0: that that's an interesting point, Chakra. Chakra's gonna come back and join us. Not sure what just happened to him, but the cave. So he was talking about the cave and you mentioned the cave. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, when I when I read Brother Bedford's piece that, uh, you know, I'll, I'll even go back to it when I read Brother Bedford's piece and I read him talking, Oh, actually I got rid of it already. So I'll oh. come back to this one. I'll come back to this one. Um, when I read Brother Bedford's piece, It went along with that message that my father used to give that, you know, that the Easter narrative is about you. And I I remember him so vividly saying, there's something in you that's dying. There's something about you that's about to have its final breath. And that's okay, because if you stay on the righteous path. It's going to be reborn in a more glorious form. If you stay on the righteous path, it'll be reborn in a more glorious form. So accept the death. Whatever that is in your life that's passing away, whatever it is in that life that's dying, that's that you're moving away from, Ashe, move away from it and just move away. Take the challenge because something about you is dying. It's going to be born in a more glorious form, as long as you walk the righteous path. And I mean, hearing that every Easter, the last few years of his life really is a metaphysical message that I really don't think many of my, uh, you know, those who go to church, uh, I don't think they get it. I don't think they get it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think the mistake that many in Christendom make is they've put so much emphasis on the messenger until the message becomes secondary. Hmm. So when we go into uh, many of our black churches, there's always this praise and worship. Okay. But why is it when I go into other churches of other ethnicities, there's no praise and worship segment. It's about giving instruction on how to go out into the world and conduct yourself. You know, I was listening to a rabbi once and he said that uh, in many churches, you spend a lot of time in reinforcing one another in the belief that God is with you he says in Judaism we move from the premise knowing that God is with us Mm. okay so we don't need pep rallies every Sunday (laughs) because that's already a given so all we do is come get the instruction and keep it stepping Because they know in Christendom, it's still believing, meaning you're not 100% sure. So you have to have these pep rallies just to get yourself psyched up to go deal with the world. You're not coming from a place where you know beyond a shadow of a doubt.
0: Hmm. That's intriguing because one of the uh, I used to listen to a lot of the uh, Hebrew Israelites and uh, some of the traditional rabbinical rabbis. And they shared things like one of the things that they shared is, you know, the Hebrew word from which the word Satan comes from really means hindrance. It means something that God developed that would make you stronger once you overcame it. It was, it's, you know, when you lift weights, you know, the weights are heavy at first. And the more you work on it, the better you get at it. And now you're able to bench press, you know, a thousand pounds. But at first it's a hindrance, it's resistance. And so the word Satan, uh, in in their terminology, in the Hebrew, uh, the Aramaic, in the Hebrew, all of the uh, Hebrew languages, the Semitic languages, if you will, um, It really deals with being a hindrance, Mm. and so their understanding of the devil is not somebody that's beating you upside the head. It's uh, a challenge that God has put in front of you to become stronger. One of the other things that, uh, matter of fact, Daniel Lappin, Rabbi Daniel Lappin, shared with us is that yeah, you've heard you okay the term. The, the, the portion of the Bible, when it talks about uh, serving God, wait on God, wait on God, wait on the Lord and be of good something. I can't remember what the rest of it is, but it service. says wait on God. Be, be a good what? Be a good service. Okay, be a good service, right. Uh, that's the piece that a lot of people miss. Mm. So in our churches, a lot of time we're waiting on God. I'm just going to sit here and pray and wait on the Lord. I'm going to sit here and pray and just wait for a word, wait for a message. But the term, uh, the English term wait, from which that Aramaic, that Hebrew term was translated into wait, the root word actually meant serve like a waiter. So you're waiting like a waiter. And what the waiter doesn't just wait around for you to make a decision. A waitress doesn't wait around for you to make a decision. You know, a good waiter or waitress or wait person or wait staff, they're going to give you options. They're going to prod you along the process. They're going to take you down the road. They're going to say, hello, welcome here. Here, have some water. What would you like to eat? What can I get for you? Would you like to look at our dinner menu? You know, they're going to walk you through the process. They're going to be active participants. And too many of us have interpreted that, misinterpreted that to mean we're just going to sit back and let you know, God do it. Fix it, Jesus.
2: Yeah, it's we, we are not um, proactive, if you will. It's like we're always in this reactionary position because we many of us have been conditioned. OK, if we get out here and put this work in, then we're interfering with what God is supposed to be doing for us. And I think people really need to go back and and study uh, the Moses story once he got the Israelites out of Egypt. Okay, when, when God says, look, the promised land is yours, but you got to kick ass to get it. Okay, he just didn't hand it to him on a platter, and and there's a reason why he did it that way. Now, this is my interpretation metaphysically. Okay, okay. When you have a people who have been on lockdown for over four centuries, all right, you have to pay freedom dues. Okay, now Arbal Elijah Muhammad said that there were three sciences that a people had to master in order to have any form of what we call civilization be it a community empire kingdom etc okay the first one is the science of economics or for those of you who've been following me the science of beef being business economics entrepreneurship and finance second science is the science of diplomacy negotiation and warfare the third science is the science of genetic engineering and mate selection. And then I throw in a a fourth science, the science of culture, which influences the first three. Now, God says, look, you're going to have to go and fight for this land. Right. Because this is what sovereign people do. They fight for land, labor, and resources. Nothing is handed to them. Right. So they had to understand the science of uh, diplomacy, negotiation, and warfare. If they want it, they got to fight for it. Mm. Even though God promised it for them, they had to act as a sovereign people again, you know, pay those freedom dues in order to
0: conquer and subdue the land. Hmm. OK. And what's interesting is the uh, the Israelites in that story, the Jews in that story, uh, once they got away from, you know, Kemet, they walked in circle for 40 years mm-hmm. in a in a circle. They just they got stuck. For 40 years. Well, in I, don't the at, I don't look
2: at it as being stuck per se, I look at it as more of a detox period. because remember you're coming fresh out of uh enslaved condition so you weren't ready to take over a land because you weren't trained to be a sovereign people yet so you had to go through that detox of getting uh i call it an exorcism where you had to get that slave out of you and (laughs) some people some people had to die in the desert because remember there were those who were begging to be recolonized. Yes. Okay. And so that group had to die off so the the future generations can say, hey, man, we're a strong people, we're a free people, we can go take this land.
0: Okay. Okay. Okay.
2: So, So I don't look at it so much as them being stuck, but as part of that process of detoxing, and going through an exorcism of that
0: slave spirit. Well, let's move from Musa or Moses Mm. (laughs) Uh, to Yeshua. Mm. Let's move from Musa to Yeshua or Moses to Jesus, right? All right. Mm -hmm. How does your metaphysical training what does your medical physical metaphysical physical training teach you about the cross?
2: Hmm. And again, this is my own interpretation because I, I bring more than metaphysics into the picture. Um, I say, I say when, when I look at the cross, I look at it as a tool of enslavement. And let me break it down to you. Mm. Okay. Nails were driven in his hand. So he couldn't do anything for himself or build anything for himself. Okay. Nails were driven in his feet. So he couldn't stand for himself. He had a crown of thorns placed on him.
0: He couldn't stand for himself. He couldn't think for himself i saw that okay. i saw it coming okay <laughs> and then as they were piercing
2: his rib cage you know the, the solar plexus and everything piercing his sides so he couldn't feel for himself and then they took his um i guess you would say his clothes of royalty as a means of mocking him saying oh so this is your king Look what we're doing to your king. Okay. So they figured by humiliating him and embarrassing him as they were executing him. Cut off the head. The snake dies. Hmm. That's what they thought they were doing. And so that's what the kind of what the cross is was supposed to be is is that ultimate symbol of death where it wasn't just a physical death because not only were you killing him physically you were trying to kill his reputation his name take the respect away from his name and then do that in front of his disciples So it wasn't just an assassination. It was a public execution saying, "Okay, anybody who stands up against the Roman government, here's what you'll get.
0: Mm. Just as the uh, slave masters (laughs) here Uh in the United States, here in Cuba, here in Puerto Rico, here in Mexico, uh, here in Trinidad and Tobago, here in Jamaica would publicly buck break. An enslaved, melanated person, enslaved indigenous person, enslaved African, whatever term you want to use, Mm -hmm. publicly to say, look what we can do to you. So you're saying that the cross, intriguingly enough, is a symbol of death.
2: I call it an old school electric chair.
0: (laughs) And see, I see the cross in my metaphysical studies in my historical studies, in my cultural studies. The cross, the connecting points, uh, and and actually in the ancient times in Christianity, they actually had it more like a T more so than a cross. They called it the tau, the T-A-U, the tree, the T-A-U or the tau. Um, And then later on it became known as the cross. But indigenous cultures, And in many African cultures, the crossroads is the place where you meet God. Mm. The crossroads is that place where you come in contact with the most grand experience of the four elements of the fire, of the water, of the air, of the earth. You come to the crossroads, all the resources, all the opportunities are there. And it's at the crossroads, it's at the cross where you meet God, which is opportunity. It is the meeting of God, good orderly direction, or a deity, God as a deity, either way way you want to look at it, where you can change the direction of your life and those lives around you. So you'll find a cross as a symbol in most indigenous, definitely in a lot of African traditional cultures, because it was a symbol of where you come in contact with the almighty and where you have an opportunity to make a change. It's also the area where all of those elements come together and they're going to beat you up a little bit. You're going to feel the fire. You're going to feel the heat. You're going to feel the water. You're going to mm. feel engulfed. You're going to feel like you're drowning. Mm. You're going to feel the wind. You're going to feel like you're being pushed around. And you're going to feel the earth. You're going to feel like you've been dropped. It's at the crossroad where you meet God where opportunity happens and a change happens in your life. So you'll find crosses were used not in the way that Christians use them, you know, in the way that we Christians use them, but in indigenous practices as a symbol of when things were about to change Mm. Mm.
2: you know I I was kind of thinking of um, and I don't know how much of a blues fan you are but I always think about Robert Johnson where he talked about he made a deal at the the crossroads you know, And believe it or not, uh, according to James Brown's son, Daryl, he said that his father told him that he made a deal at the crossroads.
0: Well, since we're talking spirituality, if you were to look at uh, some indigenous practice here in the United States and those indigenous practices that kind of meshed with uh, African traditional practices, mm-hmm. IFA, or mm. the a study of the nature, the netters, if you will, if you want to go comedically, hotep, of the hoteps. There's, uh, I can't think of the name of it right now, it's really escaping me. Uh, maybe one of the viewers can tap in with it. But there's a juju, uh, a J-U-J-U, there's a magic, There's a, it's, it's called juju, um, that's part of American, primarily black culture, which is root working, Okay, and yeah. there's this concept of the crossroads man mm. and the crossroads man if you pray to the crossroads man he'll help you cross over and mm. Robert Johnson and some of the old blues practitioners right. you know it's interesting because when we look at gospel music it's a uh, religious music mm-hmm. that developed it has developed in the enslavement process mm. right Right, and out of that process, you have gospel comes out of it, blues comes out of it. If you go to, you know, Cuba and Puerto Rico and Mexico, you're gonna find that santeria, santeria, santeria comes out of that, and you're gonna find, you know, candomblé. You're gonna find, you're gonna find all of this is rooted with music, and there's always a cross that you can find in these spiritual traditions. But the crossroads man is somebody who, if you pray to them, and the crossroads man was often used like good or bad. So Mm. if you wanted to put a hexing on somebody, you could pray to the crossroads man, do an offering to the crossroads man, and things would change. Mm. Uh, So when we look at, you know, Yeshua being placed on the cross, it's interesting that you brought up, you know, Judas earlier, because I really think that Judas was following directions. You know, uh, Yeshua is quoted as saying, one of you will betray me. And the person who's gonna betray me, I'm gonna kiss. And then he kisses Judas. It sounds to me like Judas was following directions. He understood the assignment and it hurt him so bad that he killed himself afterwards. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. But he understood the assignment. He understood that there had to be a sacrifice and in everybody's life the cross coming to the cross you're going to have to deal when you come to the crossroads you're going to have to sacrifice something to get to the other side you're going to have to lose some baggage you may have to pay some money you know you might have to get beat up everything is like a ritual you know, right. so to go from one level to the next level, like in my fraternity, you know, my fraternities, I'm in two of them, Uh 151 Incorporated and my brothers of Omega Psi Phi. But in, in general, to go through that fraternal ritual pledging process, you have to sacrifice. And once you sacrifice, you can go to the next level. So the cross you said for you is kind of like enslavement, punishment, death. For me, it's a symbol of of sacrifice. That's where God is going to meet you once you've made your sacrifice. Mm. And so when I look at your cross, your cave, your resurrection, there's something in your life that you need to sacrifice. It might be eating sugar. For Lent this year, Lent 2022, I gave up eating sugary snacks. Lost a few pounds. I'm actually healthier. I feel healthier. I'm sleeping better. know i wake up with a lot more energy sugar is a demon you know (laughs) you know elijah muhammad farrakhan um you know all of them told him hey eat to live and one of the ways you can eat to live is getting rid of that sugar demon you know because uh, if it's white it ain't right (laughs) so anything that's bleached anything that's bleached you know bleached meat Mm -hmm. bleached flour bleached sugar Mm
2: -hmm.
0: anything that goes to that bleaching process where you go from a melanated cane sugar, right, to a bleaching process, and now it's pure white. Mm-hmm. It's not good for you. Nope. When you look at flour, flour is normally melanated. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. But then, if you bleach it, it becomes pure white. Right. And it's not good for you. Right. It wasn't good for you necessarily early, but as it goes to that bleaching process. It ain't right. (laughs) So when we talk about foods, if it's white, it's not right. Because you want things that are colorful. You want foods that have a little pink in them, a little brown in them, a little green in them, a little orange, a little yellow. You need some. When you look at your food on your plate, you want to have flavors and colors on there. That's the way you can tell if it's healthy or not. Mm -hmm. So. Easter, your cross, you're going to have to sacrifice for something. Sacrifice something if you want to move to the next level. And once you've done the sacrifice, once you've sacrificed, where do you go? Where are you placed?
2: Yeah. You know, there's a term. I don't know if you've heard the term. It's called breaking a habit of being yourself and what that means is uh, like it, like you were talking about when you reach the crossroads there's a sacrifice that must take place okay so les brown always said in order to do something you've never done before you must become someone you've never been before so who you were before the crossroads must die in order for this new creature to be born. It's just like a caterpillar going into a cocoon. He has to surrender to the process to come out as a butterfly on the other side. If he wants to be this new creature, then whoever he was can no longer
0: exist. interesting it can no longer exist mm-hmm. so and and you were
2: talking about one of the elements i said the, the fire element that is the element to where it burns off all impurities if you ever watch a uh a, a japanese blacksmith when he's making those samurai swords you know you'll see him banging on the iron. And then he looks at it. He sticks it in the water. He comes back and he still sees impurities on it until he gets it right. And then once it is perfect, once all the impurities are off, then you will see him etch the calligraphy on the sword. Okay. So whatever fire touches, it no longer is that. It becomes something else. So the fire is kind of a purification process.
0: Hmm. Uh, while you were talking, I, I, it dawned on me that we use the term juju, but also you can term use the term hoodoo. H o o d o o, hoodoo. hoodoo. Hmm. And in hoodoo, you have this concept of the crossroads, and hmm. so the crossroads is. A supernatural place between the two worlds, you know. Okay. Symbolically, it can mean a locality where the two realms touch, and therefore represent a place neither here or there. You're betwixt. All right. So when we deal with uh, hoodoo, let's let's go to ancient religions. Okay. All right. So in Greek mythology, crossroads were associated with both Heket and Hermes, with shrines and ceremonies taken there. The Herm pillow associated with Hermes marked places due to God's association with travelers and role as a guide. So once again, in in in, in ancient Greece, mm-hmm. in their culture, which was comedic, <laughs> okay. they talk about the crossroads being a place where God associates with travelers. And acts as a role as a guide. Mm. All right. So, so, you'll find in that the goddess or the god of the crossroads. Okay. And they talk about there being three crossing roads. So, those three crossing roads are straight ahead, to the right, or to the left. You never really talk about going backwards. Mm hmm. All right. All right. So that I always found that interesting. And so and and so see you have here. This statue and you see this statue has a cross, right? That statue has a cross. So so that's that's ancient, you know, ancient religions. Let's go to Hoodoo. And Hoodoo is really practiced primarily by those you call African-Americans, you know, the Africans in the Americas, the indigenous people, the Africans who were brought here to the United States. Mm. And it is really based on a Congolese religion. So conjure, root work, hoodoo, juju. is really based on the Congo's cosmology. And as Mm. you see in the Congo's cosmology, you have a cross and you have a circle here. Then you see you see these circles here as well. So that tells you at this point right here, that's where we meet with the Almighty. Mm. The center of the crossroads is where communication takes place with spirits. You meet the spirit world, you meet the ancestry, you meet the 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 um the angels, if you will. You meet God and God's representatives Mm. at the crossroad. Okay. All right. Um, And let me go to uh, Brazil because I mentioned Condomble. Right. Um, Right. All right, so. Okay. Once again, it's the place where you make offerings to the Orishas. And the Ori yep. or the Orishas are the, the representatives of the almighty that operate in a certain area. So right. once again, the uh and so here's in in Brazil, there's a character called Papa Legba and Papa Legba yep. is associated with St. Peter. All right. Mm-hmm. And. um, So. I I don't wanna take all my time up on this going through Wikipedia. Of course, we can't really trust Wikipedia all the time, but (laughs) (laughs) I do think that it's interesting that, you know, the crossroads in all of these traditions and religious and spiritual understandings is the place where you interact with the almighty or the almighty's representatives.
2: Mm. And like you said, there's no going backward. You either go left, right, or you go forward. And that's why I was saying with the fire element, it burns all of those impurities off you. So that way, when you come to the other side, you come pure.
0: Hmm. And that leads us to the next point. Mm -hmm. You become pure. You meet with the, the Holy Ghost fire. You meet with that eternal flame. <laughs> you know? Right. And where's your next spot? Where's your next spot? Your next stop? The cave. Mm-hmm. So when we look at Yeshua dying on the towel, on the cross, right. he held his head down and he died. Mm-hmm. So at that point, he becomes part of the ancestry. And then he goes into a cave. Right. The cave is sealed off with a boulder, a rock, and Mm -hmm. then it's sealed off with wax. Yeah. And it has guards in front of it, right? You know, Mm -hmm. I went to uh, Sunrise Service today and um, my my frat brother, Perez Gatling, did a really great job talking about um, the experience. He talked about the... The seal, the mm. stone, the stone, the seal, and the savior. Okay. Right, right, right. So he talked about the rock that was placed in front of the cave. He talked about the wax that was placed on that on that opening to seal it, so nothing can get in or out. And then the savior. So that was intriguing to me. Uh, I stood it understood on a metaphysical level a yeah. little differently than what he talked to the population about mm-hmm. which is one of the issues i have with going to a traditional church is they don't take you there well they don't take me there Yeah, everyone else was you know enjoying themselves mm-hmm. having a a good time in the spirit and i'm just like bro take us there mm-hmm. but you know it is what it is but my point is the cave is the next point. So after you cross the crossroads, right. after you make your choice, mm-hmm. you go into a sacred womb, W-O-M-B, mm-hmm. for your rebirth. Right. And that's what the cave is a representation of. you know. And some of us get stuck in the cave.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. But the cave is a time when you pull yourself away from earthly fetters, earthly challenges the problems of the world today like that song by uh the fearless four did problems of the world today yeah i'm old school um (laughs) (laughs) no i'm i listen to old school hip-hop that's what it is (laughs) um the cave is where you get away and you become a new person in your new understanding yeah you know when you turn a corner or if you go straight and you go to a land you've never gone into before, you driving to a new city, you really have to take perspective and understand everything that's around you. Mm. Oh, that's where the uh, truck stop is. Oh, that's where the McDonald's is. Oh, that's where the gas station is. Oh, that's what this is. That's what a hospital is, you know? Mm. You know, you have to kind of take stock of your new environment. And that happens in a cave. So for the crowd, you know, for the, uh, you know, code keepers, your cave is your opportunity to become new. It's your opportunity to understand your new surroundings, your new situation. The cave is the area where you become initiated in new thought. So you'll very see that those who go through initiation periods, they're pulled away from everybody. Like the 12 disciples when they went through their initiation period with Yeshua. You know, there were many more disciples than 12 at first. And, you know, if you look at the canonized Bible, it gives reference to the other people that were around Yeshua, right? And these final 12. So you can talk about the cosmology and talk about you know the 12 months of the year and you know you take 12 steps up to the next level and the 13th step is the next level so the disciples are steps and Yeshua or Christ or Jesus is that next level of understanding next level of service next level of godliness deityness you know because in most flights of stairs there are 12 steps and it's that 13 step that takes you to the next level that's what i'm referring to now some larger buildings they may have instead of th- 12 steps they may have 22 steps mm. um but in most houses when you go up you know you're going to have about 12 steps <laughs> <laughs> that that are built to code if it's built okay. to code mm-hmm. so once again get on code um <laughs> So the cave metaphorically I'm sorry metaphysically, what yes. does the cave represent? I know you're not just going to discuss metaphysics you're also going to talk about your um, your immersion in black consciousness thought and everything else that you've learned brother. So okay. what does a cave mean to you?
2: Actually as as you were talking, I wrote down one word transformation. You know people always talk about being quote unquote reformed you you're really not reformed when you say that you're reformed the only thing you did was rearrange the furniture in the house but when you go into the cave there is a transformation period you know like i said earlier who you were when you entered the cave no longer exists because you're going through a transformation process while you're in that cave. So when you do emerge on the other side, you are this new creature. So a cave could really be symbolic of of transformation because there's an invisible process that takes place in terms of breaking down the old and then reconfiguring it into the new.
0: Hmm.
2: You see? And, you know, I'll always use Malcolm as an example. When he went into that Massachusetts prison, he went in there as Detroit Red. When he came out six and a half years later, he
0: became Malcolm X. I say, he went through his cross situation. He went to his crossroads, which is right. a courtroom. Mm-hmm where you meet the final decision maker. Who's that final decision maker? The judge. What's the judge dressed in? Black. Black, (laughs) Because black is a symbol of new life. Mm. So if you look at the canonized Bible, whenever God shows up to do something big, the whole area darkens and becomes black. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, black is the color of new life. It's not necessarily the color of death. Death is actually new life. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 So, uh, man, it's just it's just interesting when you pull all of this together.
2: Oh yeah, you know, it's just a matter of moving beyond. Uh, I know a lot of the folk in Christendom. They they have a very literal fundamental approach to it which i i think kind of, it does them a disservice because there's so many uh, other means to this story that that gets missed okay because you're so fixed on the cult of personality until you forget that yeshua says look these things that i do you will do greater than me I say, okay. See. So it's just really a matter of, and then you talk about empowerment. How can we apply this story to our uh, spiritual journeys?
0: Our spiritual we, empowerment,
2: Yeah. You know, because as as we go through journeys, it's like a a, a snake shedding skin you know mm. as we reach certain milestones okay you talk about your journey through uh omega sci-fi where you came in as an initiate but you emerged as a mighty omega man
0: root to the breast <laughs> yes <laughs> okay
2: so you actually emerged and that's the other thing where i talk about you broke the habit of yourself and Ooh. The old you had to give way in order for that mighty Omega man within you to emerge. Hmm. it's, It's just like within every acorn is a mighty oak tree. And that initiation process that you experienced, the brothers was trying to bring that oak tree out of you. But you had to give up the acorn.
0: Yeah, in the same way Yeshua had to, quote-unquote, give up the ghost. Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He had to make a spiritual sacrifice.
2: Mm -hmm. And, And so once he did that, and then the ascension, okay, where he comes out of that cave, once that transformation process was completed,
0: And that's the beautiful message of Easter, Mm -hmm. is that there's something about you that needs to change. There's something about you that's dying. There's something about you that's dead already, maybe. Go into your cave, Mm -hmm. go into that womb, go into that that house of reincarnation. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And when you come out, you're you're a new creature. You're a new creature in the Lord. You're a new creature in life. Mm -hmm. You're a new creature in the word. What's the word actually mean? The word is actually law. Mm L-A-W. So uh, if you were to go through and go through the Bible and replace the word W-O-R-D, replace the term word with Mm -hmm. law, then you'll see that a deeper understanding of what the almighty is sharing with us through the metaphysical teachings of the Bible okay. and through the medical physical metaphysical <laughs> teachings of the Quran, and then the Talmud and, and, you know, pick a religious text. Yeah, same. Yeah. Same message. Replace the term word with law, L.A.W., mm-hmm. and it'll just really kind of open up your eyes. Law means the way things have to be arranged. Right. Right? There's an arrangement with this. So the arrangement became flesh. In the beginning, there was the arrangement. So me and you sat down in the beginning and said, hey, this is how we're going to talk about this. Right. We came to an arrangement. Mm-hmm. And the arrangement was with God. So we're the Godheads. We're the decision makers. hmm Then the word, the law, the the arrangement became flesh. Right. In other words, it became tangible. We Mm. were working on it. Yeah. So allow yourself to be followed and guided by good orderly direction or the law. Mm. Because laws are set up to provide good orderly direction. Right. So. So. The message of Easter is we're gonna go through some BS. <laughs> you know, you meet know. it head on. Right. Meet it head and, on. I mean,
2: yeah, and, and like I said, you know, since we have this Easter, uh, we've got Passover overlapping with Ramadan, and it mm-hmm. seems like all of our uh Abrahamic faith peoples are experiencing that transformation in their own respective journeys hmm. okay when we go through ramadan it's a 30-day period of
0: fasting going through that fire going okay. through that fire going through that crossroad
2: and if i'm not mistaken there's a a period when they get near the end of ramadan it's called the night of power if i'm not mistaken you know and then finally once you go through that period then you will celebrate breaking the fast. It's a festival called
0: Eid. Right. Is it E I D? I think. Yes. Right. i Ashay. And okay. and so what you just described was a pledging process. What you just described was an an initiation process. Mm-hmm. You had to sacrifice a whole lot. Yes. There was a time period that was a part of your sacrifice. During this time period of sacrifice, you're learning things, learning things about yourself, learning things about others, Mm -hmm. knowledge of self, knowledge of others, knowledge of self and others. Mm -hmm. Then you have a night of power where you really tussle and demonstrate your ultimate strength, which was already inside you. Mm -hmm. Then you celebrate. You had your probate show. You step. Oh, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, and if it's if you're joining a church, you go through new members class. Check. You know, if you're going through the school system, you start off and you go to orientation. Mm-hmm. Then you go through the educational process. Then you have convocation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so, but that leads us where? That leads us. You know, the, the, you go through the cross situation. Your challenge. Yep. You go through your transformation home, your womb, and that leads us to the resurrection. Yes. And so I like this particular article that Venus, Dr. Venus Opal, Dr. Venus Opal Reese uh, dropped on us today. Here's the blog version of it. Reimagining resurrection for black people all right and uh, uh, well you know what i probably need to do this because we're going to have some people who just don't understand all right <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 i i gotta do this i gotta do this african americans is an american citizen of some level not necessarily entirely of african descent the term black doesn't refer to skin color hair texture origin from a city state or country, nation, or planet named black. We're not talking about a crayon color. We're not using the term to address one's legal status or nationality. When we use the term black, we're referring to a person of some level of African and or indigenous or aboriginal descent. Mm. All right. Had to do that because well, as you know, we get the pushback. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a reimagining resurrection for black people. Mm. All right, so this came to me yesterday, and I want to read this for those who are listening on the podcast version. For many of us, Easter is a celebration of the resurrection. For many of us, Easter is the celebration of the resurrection, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm thinking about applying the word resurrection to Black people. So she says, You know, hear me out. I'm not saying black people surviving slavery, I'm sorry, I am not saying black people surviving slavery is the same as Yeshua rising from the dead after three days. I am saying as I sit with God and be with what it would take for us as a people to heal, trust each other and thrive both emotionally and economically, I see something. In my imagining. Black people have always been treated historically, in many ways, the way Yeshua was treated. Accused, betrayed, whipped, murdered, be it physically, mentally, spiritually, or emotionally. We have, as people, known persecution for hundreds of years. Do you ever feel targeted, discredited, crucified? I imagine that's how Jesus may have felt. When the people who sing your praises, Hosanna, one day and then on the next day, those same people cry, crucify him. It's enough to emphasize with the Christ. So as I sit here emphasizing with Jesus, I think of you. I think of us. I think how I can help. I start to reimagine resurrection as a rebirth of the black family. Or our relationships with Black men as being born again? And just to give a little more context, this is Dr. Venus Opal, who is uh, a woman who helps Black women become multimillionaires. She's done it with numerous people, did it for herself, and she uses your mess, the stuff you went through that were messy in your life, taking your mess and making your mess a mess edge which is monetized. All right. One of the things that she's really focused on is healing with black men because she had a hard time with the relationship she had with her father when she was a child. She went through a lot of abuse. She was sexually abused. abused. She was physically abused. She went through a whole lot. Um, she was married to a woman for a while and then now she's dating a guy and they're actually engaged. Uh, and she's been on the last two years a focus of developing better relationships with black men. So when she says, or our relationship with black men is being born again, that's the context that you need to understand to understand Dr. Venus Opal's writings. Or our wealth arising, so black people are no longer the tail, but the head. My point is this, if Jesus could resurrect himself, from the grave, why can't we resurrect ourselves from the wounds of the enslavement process? We are made in the image and likeness of God. God spoke, then there was. We speak, what we speak becomes real. If the power of life and death is in the tongue and Yeshua gave up his spirit after saying, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Don't we have that same power? Resurrection, power, revival, resuscitation. I reimagine resurrection for us as a people. I draw courage and hope. You are sis. You sis are God wrapped in flesh. You bro are the character of God. Together we can resurrect Black America from the bondage of oppression and systemic racism. If this speaks to you, I, and this is Dr. Venus Opal talking, I can show you how we can break the yoke of oppression and create our own resurrection, like uh, Common Sense said. Resurrection. Go here for details. Her um, website that she's pushing now is Healed blackmillionaires.com. So you can go check out www.healed, H-E-A-L-E-D, black, B-L-A-C-K, millionaires, am I spelling that out, com. She continues to say, I admire Yeshua, Jesus, because he was a man of his word. He was so radical. He was a radical who gave up his life for what he believed. He fulfilled the law He fulfilled the word. He fulfilled the law out of love and duty as a son. I learned a lot from his example, especially him laying down his life, calling the shot of rising in three days and fulfilling his purpose. So I'm applying a Jesus resurrection power to our 21st century crucifixion called chattel slavery and colonialism. It's time for us to be like Yeshua was in his day. It's time for us to take up our cross and become our own messiahs. And as you can see, I gave you the ashe that. <laughs> I gave you the ashe that. Um, Yo, I, I, I think that Dr. Reese, you know, Dr. Opal Reese's right and exact with her information. I, I really do, I really do. Zombie, your thoughts on that, man? You,
2: you know, I was thinking about something that uh, Dr. John Henry Clark once said. You know, he said, we survived a Holocaust that was 10 times worse than the one that took place in Europe. And he said, after everything that we've gone through in the mafia or great disaster we're still here and we're still trying to conduct ourselves as decent human beings then fate has spared us for a very unique assignment he said we gave the world its first humanity and maybe we've been prepared to give the world
0: its next humanity Woo, I say that. I say that. Hey, I just wanted to make sure the code keepers knew where I got that uh, last passage from. That was Dr. Venus Opal Reese, reimagining resurrection for Black people. You can tap into Dr. Venus. She says, Don't be the best, be the only. Um, you know, she's the bomb. From great pain comes great miracles. And so, you know, that's that part that we were talking about earlier. Her beginning of her life was the crossroads. Right. You know. <laughs> she talks about her mother is a abuser, a drug abuser and a rage-aholic. We have a lot of rage-aholics in our community that we need to deal with. Yes. Uh, she grew up in B-Town, you know, in uh, B-More, Baltimore. Um, uh a lot of great information on her right here. I'm just going to uh... this is her and one of the ladies who helped her along the way. Okay. And all right. She's now a successful self-made black woman millionaire who for years and I've been following Dr. Venus for uh, about eight years mm. uh, has enjoyed a thriving business guiding other black women and healing their money wounds and claiming their financial power. <laughs> so this is a sister right here okay and you can you know find her on Facebook on Twitter Instagram LinkedIn uh, YouTube but I just want to make sure that the code keepers knew exactly where I got that information from um, your resurrection what are your thoughts on that brother resurrection hmm.
2: You know, I, heard, I remember Jesse Jackson saying that, uh, you know, for every crucifixion, there is a resurrection. And I think sometimes we get so stuck in the crucifixion, we don't understand that there's the other side that we must get to, you know. Like I said, when we go into the cave, it is not death. It is a period of transformation. But you do have to give up who you once were in order to become who you want to be. So I always say that everything in nature has a price tag. And what are you willing to pay? Because the universe knows nothing of welfare. It just knows quid pro quo. So hopefully you have enough on your black visa in order to make it happen.
0: (laughs) All right, so we've been talking about Easter, your cross, your cave, your resurrection. This is the Get On Code show where we deal with empowerment and we say, get on code, Share the code, teach the code, become the code. Our code is empowerment. You've been checking out your good brother's sake over on my beloved brethren, Minister Zumbi Shawala, author of the book that every person should have on their shelves, The Gospel of Afronomics Theology, GOAT. Um, you know what, Minister, anytime I have you on a show, I try to go over your jewels. So, you know, why don't we go through your jewels very quickly? Okay. You know what they are. You know what they are.
2: (laughs) Okay. Principle number. 30 seconds.
0: Yeah. Principle number 19,
2: cultural tithing. A dime out of every dollar should go to a race-first African-centered organization. That's number 19. Uh, Be a cop. Be a creator, owner, and producer of whatever it is that you produce. And I'm also going to add another P, protector. You know, whatever we produce, we should also protect, whether it's through um, patents, copyrights, trademarks. And then, being a $20 revolutionary, we should all commit ourselves to making a $20 purchase from a Black-owned entity each week, be it e-commerce or brick and mortar. The long term objective is to have 50 million African people make this practice and in one year, we can shift $52 billion back into our black economy. And BEEF, science of BEEF, BEEF is an acronym meaning business, economics, entrepreneurship, finance.
0: All right, so you can catch the good brother Zumbi Shawala uh, by picking up his book (laughs) or stick around. You know, stick on the Our Black Empowerment Channel here on YouTube, here on the Get On Code show, the Get On Code podcast. Don't forget, the Get On Code podcast, you can find us wherever you consume podcasts. So check us out on Apple, check us out on Google Podcasts, on Podcast Addict, on Stitcher, on Spotify, wherever you consume your podcast, you can find the Get on Code podcast. We're waiting for you to get on code. And I guess our last thing is hey, you guys are in our prayers and our well wishes and our libations. Get on code, share the code, teach the code, become the code. Our code is empowerment. That's what we need to focus on. Our code is empowerment. And we love you. All right, bro. Uh